Welcome back to the Frank Take, everybody. It is uh, this podcast coming to you on July 13th. It's been about a month since uh, we've done one of these, but we're going to crank out all eight episodes before the summer ends. That was the promise. And uh, I've got Alec Cable on the show with me again today. Alec, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good, man. We'll be looking forward to uh, breaking down the NFC North today. Yes, sir. Uh, we're, we're getting closer to football season, so the excitement's actually ramping up with some of these podcasts we can see preseason coming up in uh in our faces it's really getting close so nfc north um this is the division of topic today and i mean pretty much we we got to talk about the biggest face in the division right off the bat aaron Rodgers, right uh so alec do we think he's gonna play and and if so when you know, I've, I've gone um, back and forth on the Aaron Rodgers thing, and I think ultimately he will play, um, and I think he'll be starting week one. Um, now, after this season, I don't know where he'll be. I don't think it'll be Green Bay. But I think ultimately when training camp rolls around, he's going to show up. Um, what I'm more curious about really is when he does show up, what the reaction is of – you know, both the fan base and I think the front office and the coaching staff and, and his teammates, because, you know, he's kind of been, it's, he's kind of made it all about him this off season. And I think there's a lot of different dynamics that are going to come into play, but I do expect him ultimately to be in uniform week one and to show up, I think day one of training camp. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've gone back and forth on it too. There was a, a time where I definitely thought that he wasn't going to come back just because he's Aaron Rodgers, right? He's super stingy and he's a guy that holds grudges and he's pretty stubborn, you know, and, and he's like, he enjoys his own time. He's very laid back on the golf course. And I was like, man, he might just take a season off. Um, But looking over it, he's going to lose around $30 million if he doesn't come back this year. And I mean, money motivates people, no matter if you're in the NFL or, you know, you're on the street somewhere, money's a motive, a motivator and $30 million is a lot of that. So yeah, I mean, the, the Packers ultimately hold all the leverage here. And so I just think that no matter how upset he is, he's going to have to come back and play. He's going to have to come back and swallow his pride. Um, and I, I think it's going to be interesting to see the reactions of those different aspects of the organization. You know, like you were saying, uh, I think the, the, from the front office and the GM, like, what about the guy that he wanted to have fired? Right. Like what's that guy's reaction going to be when Aaron Rodgers walks back through the building? Um, and I think it'll be a different story. I think the front office, it'll be a little more tension, but you know, the players seem to have his back so far, at least the ones that have come out and said stuff. Um, I think they'll be just happy to have their guy back. Uh, and, and the fans, same thing, you know, you're happy to have your, your dude back uh, in the building with you. Rodgers obviously gives them their best chance to win. And like the Packers are a team that have been close to winning it all for a few years, you know? So, uh, you know, that part of the organization that, that always wants to win, obviously they're going to be really excited. So, um, what I do question here is, you know, like he comes back mid training camp, let's say right before week one. Um, and he's not super happy with the organization and he's, you know, not super fond of the guys running it. Do you think that has an effect on how many games the Packers win? Like just the preparation that football takes, right? Like week in and week out. Is Aaron Rodgers going to be going full 100% 
Like, is he going to be able to get back in the rhythm? What do you think? Yes, I think he will. I, I think, I think ultimately as much as he may despise the front office and of that organization, I think, I think Aaron Rodgers still cares a lot about his teammates and I still think he cares a lot about winning. And I mean, I think just hearing him speak after they lost to Tampa at home in the NFC championship, I think you could really hear how frustrated he was. I mean, he was, did not hold any punches about that. And um, I think, I don't expect it to have any effect on his on his preparation and how he plays. I think he's I think once he decides that he wants to come back, I think it's going to be all football. I really I really do. Now, after the season, I think I think a lot's going to happen and a lot could change. But I think he's going to he owes it to his teammates and I think he will for his teammates and I think he still has a good relationship it seems like for the most part with uh Matt LaFleur and the coaching staff. So I think he'll be able to put aside his hatred, I guess, for the front office and just look forward to playing football. And so I think, I don't think it'll ultimately have a huge effect on them. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I I was thinking about that and I'm a little torn still, I guess we'll, we'll see week one, how, how he, you know, how he does, but you're right. I think it is uh, once, once you kind of get into your sport, you know, like these are competitive athletes they're they're going to be ready to go. You hope so. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're both in agreement there. Rogers will be back even if it's reluctantly and, uh, the Packers, that means probably should be playoff contenders and probably more than that. So, uh, you know, just a recap of their last season, obviously 13 and three, they were the top seed in the NFC. They looked great all year. Um, and then they go and they lose a, a tough one to Tampa Bay who ultimately goes on to win the Super Bowl. Um, and the Packers 2020 was a year just like 2019, just like 2014, just like 2016, they were right there in the NFC championship, uh, you know, definitely championship contenders and they find a way to lose that championship game. So, you know, have they made enough moves this off season to get over the hump? Uh, what were some off season additions or subtractions that have uh, caught your eye with the Packers? Um, I think there's, there's one addition and one subtraction that I think is probably in my opinion, the biggest. So one of the things they did, which actually surprised me a lot is they were able to re-sign Aaron Jones. And I did not expect that to happen. I expected Aaron Jones to be getting a contract somewhere else. Um, and I think that, you know, I was surprised, I was surprised they re-signed it, but Aaron Jones is a good player and he fits that offense very nicely. So I think that's good. But in my opinion, their biggest loss has to be Corey Lindsley. I mean, that's, that's your all pro center and he's right in the middle of your offensive line. And now he's in going to the chargers and, you know, they drafted uh, Josh Myers, the center from Ohio state, who I think is their plan to um, replace him. But, and he, I think he's a good player and I think he'll do fine, but he, I don't think he's going to, he's not going to come in and replace all pro production and that chemistry with Aaron Rodgers under center. Um, so I think that might be their biggest loss, but I know they were able to get, um, Aaron Jones back and, um, which is good. And that, you know, they have, they've got, uh, some other good pieces and, um, we'll see. I, I know they took Eric Stokes at the end of the first round at corner. I know they needed another corner. Um, we'll see how he, we'll see how he performs. They took a receiver from Clemson, Amari Rogers. Um, you know, I don't know if that's, I mean, it was a need, so. I was wondering if they would go after someone like that in the first round, but they obviously did not. And um, so they were, they were pretty busy uh, in the off season, I think, but um, 
the Corey Lindsley loss, I think is probably the biggest story uh, other than Aaron Rodgers. Cause, and it hasn't been talked about a lot, but you don't losing an all pro center is a big deal. No, it, it definitely is. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, that's your, that's your quarterback of your offensive line and they, you know, David Bakhtiari got, you know, he went down right. with injury at the end of last year. So I'm not exactly sure of his status, but I can't imagine that he will be back for week one. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, usually those injuries are about a year uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, he, he got injured week 16, I think it was. So the, that's potentially two all pros that you're losing on that offensive line to start the year. Um, and that's definitely, that's definitely an issue like offensive line. You think you're set and you lose two of them. And then, you know, then it's a completely different offensive line being a Cowboys fan. I know that more than anyone. So, <laughs> um, that's going to be a big deal, but I, I think you're absolutely right. And then, uh, you know, and then, yeah, the uh, drafting Eric Stokes from Georgia, um, in round one, there's been a lot of talk about the Packers needing a receiver. They obviously think they don't need one. Um, they didn't pursue anyone super hotly in, in free agency. And again, they went with a position outside a receiver in the first round of the draft. So they're rolling with Eric Stokes, Kevin King, and Jair Alexander. Um, and a lot of people have kind of lost hope in Kevin King, I think. Uh, and they, they count that cornerback too as a need for the Packers. So we'll see if Stokes fills that in or, you know, if Kevin King can improve a little bit, what goes on there. Um, but yeah, I think the the Packers, you know, made a couple moves this offseason and, and had some subtractions. I don't think they got vastly better, or vastly worse. I think they're right around in that same area that they were. Um, but I think the so if we move on to the to the state of the roster, uh, if you were to give it a letter grade with Aaron Rodgers, and then a letter grade without Aaron Rodgers, let's say he doesn't play for a few weeks, what what's the fluctuation there? Uh, it's it's a big fluctuation because, um, I mean, that's it's the MVP of the league. So you and at the most important position, I would argue in any sport. Yep. So you you're losing that. So I think with Aaron Rodgers, this roster with with some of the weapons he still has. And I think some of the and they've still got really good pass rushers. They've got good safeties. Jair Alexander's a really good corner. It's probably right. It's probably an A minus roster. Now, without him, it's a C roster, C plus at best, because then who are you rolling out at quarterback? You've got all these cool weapons, but if you can't get him the ball, then what does it matter? Yep. And so it's it's a huge fluctuation. And in the win loss column, you know, if you if someone, you know, if you told me right now that Aaron Rodgers was going to not play the whole year, then that probably moves their wins down by, I would say, like five. I mean, it's a pretty significant drop. Mm-hmm. So you're, it's, it's a big deal. And it might even be more than five. Yeah. Cause he's, he single-handedly is going, it, it's at least five games. It's at least five. And he, that's the difference between potentially 11 and six, 12 and five, maybe even 13 and four and a losing record. So he needs to play if they're going to have, if they're going to reach the goals that they have. Exactly. And I think the the special thing about quarterback is that it covers a lot of other weaknesses. I think if you roll out there with Jordan Love, all of a sudden your receiver group doesn't look as good. People are double teaming Devontae Adams and making him fit the ball into tighter windows to the Packers' other weapons. Um, all of a sudden the the injuries and the the holes that there may be in the offensive line starts to get called out a little more. You got a rookie holding the ball longer. He doesn't, you know, like Rogers 
like Roger's pocket presence is insane. Like it is beautiful to watch him move around in the pocket and manipulate the pocket the way he does. Like he buys so much extra time. Um, and I'm not saying the Packers offensive line isn't good, but I think that's the reason that through all these years, you know, they've been able to like look so good is because part of that is because Aaron Rodgers can, you know, make the pocket look the way he wants. So a lot of those, you know, like could be weaknesses on the Packers. Um, mm-hmm. Jordan Love is on the field, but when Aaron Rodgers is out there, you don't notice it at all. So I think uh, we both agree. Yeah. Rodgers is coming back week one. So, you know, if they are, they have a roster that now features a top 10 back. It's a top five quarterback. It's a top, they, they have a top three corner, I would say in Jair Alexander, and then probably a top 10 offensive line. So anytime you have all those things, and then they have a few pass rushers too. Yeah, they, they have their, their depth at pass rushers a little bit weak, but I would say their top end, their top end pass rushers is top seven or eight. So you're, you're looking at a lot of really high end, you know, top end talent. And important and then, too. Yeah, Absolutely. And then you were mentioning, it's funny, you were mentioning the uh, little, the pocket presence and pocket manipulation thing, which is totally true. And I think that's just a trait that a lot of these really great quarterbacks have. I mean, even watch, even watch Tom Brady who can't move hardly anymore, but him, him in the pocket, he's able to buy himself extra time with this, you know, slides up in the pocket slides to the side in the pocket. And that's, I think a lot of what just comes with playing the game for a while. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, the NFL game moves so fast that you have to be able to buy yourself just a little extra time at, at some points. And young quarterbacks don't really have that ability right now for the most part, but the, you see veterans able to, and and like, I think those are good examples. And so that's, that is a big uh, thing you're losing, especially if you're down Bakhtiari and Lindsley two two of the best offensive linemen in football. Yep, exactly. Um, so yeah, I think I think the state of their roster is fine. They're definitely uh, they're definitely up there. They'll be contending for another championship. I don't think they're the most talented in the NFC, um, but I think they're up there and they have the talent to do it. It's just a matter of putting it together, uh, getting over that hump in the NFC Championship for whatever reason. Rodgers has not been good in those games, um, and you know I don't I don't really know what that is, but you know I think the Packers are are they could be right back there in that conference title game again, so. Um, now if we look at their schedule a little bit, uh, some interesting stretches in their schedule, I would say I, the, the beginning of the schedule caught my eye because I'm looking at games like new Orleans, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and even Washington. So those are five games that I was like, okay, if they don't have Aaron Rodgers, those are still winnable. But if they do, those are games that they now should win. Like they, they probably will win those games. So right there in the first seven weeks, I think that's five games that they can, you know, be pretty confident that like, Hey, we should win this game. Uh, and then the other two games are San Francisco and Chicago. Um, and so those are tougher games, but I think uh, the Packers, they could get off to a hot start and, you know, that could be important for them getting off to a hot start just because of all the turmoil this off season. I think when you have, when you're coming off of an off season, that's been uh, really rocky and, you know, a lot of tension, you know, six and one, five and two, seven and no start, whatever it is that can release a lot of tension within the organization. And then you can just kind of focus on football from there on out. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would agree with that. They, you know, another thing I'm looking at with um, their schedule is, you know, they're playing the, uh, the NFC West this year, which is obviously, I think pretty clearly the best division in football. And, 
But I think, you know, you get, you know, you get your two road games and two home games against that division. I think they got a nice draw with the home games they're getting. They're getting Seattle and the Rams at home, mm-hmm. which I think is a big deal. I expect them to, to, I, they'll beat the Seahawks at home, I think. And then the, uh, the Rams game is going to be hard, but I think getting them in Lambeau is a huge deal. And so they, they, I think they actually got a pretty nice draw on their schedule. They've got some tough games late. They have to go to Baltimore. I expect them to lose that one. Um, Christmas day, the Browns come in. That's going to be an awesome game to watch on Christmas. Um, but they, as you know, as, as long as Rogers is back and, um, They've got a pretty, I think they honestly have a schedule that plays pretty nicely to them. You know, they have to go to Kansas city. They'll lose that one, but um, they've got a lot of games at home that I think will help them dramatically. Cause I think if they had to play them on the road, they, they could swing the other way. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, I think that, I mean, obviously when you're a team that made the NFC championship and you're playing the best division in football, your schedule is going to be pretty tough. Uh, so then it becomes about which home games you're playing and kind of the nuances of the schedule. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of that that, that plays into their favor. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be the the key for the Packers is getting off to a hot start and taking care of those games. You know, I think a lack of preparation could maybe uh, play a role, but Rogers has been playing forever. Like you figure he's got enough preparation under his belt just over the years to be able to, kind of make up for, you know, lack of reps this off season, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, if they come in the first seven games kind of slow and they're three and three or three and four, then you go and you play Arizona, Kansas city, Seattle, Minnesota, Los Angeles, Chicago, Baltimore, Cleveland. That is a brutal eight game run there. And you, you know, you don't really want to be 500 or below going into that stretch, I would say. So I think that's going to be, key for the Packers is jumping out and, you know, kind of silencing the media and, and getting out to a hot start. Yeah. And I, I, I gotta say, I think, you know, that first game they're at new Orleans and I think, you know, and that's a, it's a good stadium and a good field indoors to put up a lot of points and to do a lot of good things offensively. And I, I fully expect that Rodgers will be playing in that game. And honestly, I expect him to light that game up. I, I think he's get. I think he's going to come in. I'm not, I don't anticipate him repeating as an MVP. I don't want to go that far, but I, I think Rogers is going to have a very good year. And I also do not expect him to be playing in green Bay past this year. So this is, I think this is his last run there. And I think he's going to make it count and we'll see what that means when they get to the playoffs, but I think they're going to have a good season. And I think their schedule plays pretty nicely for them. As I mentioned, they do have that really tough stretch kind of towards the middle and towards the end, but I think they've got a really good opportunity early on to start probably six and one, in my opinion, and then have a nice little cushion. And then even if they falter in a few of those games, they're still sitting in good shape in a division, which frankly, I do not believe is that good. So they, I think have a pretty good path as long as Rogers does indeed play to win the NFC North again and, you know, get at least one home playoff game in Lambeau in January. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think your expectation for the Packers is um, a little higher than mine, I would say, but I definitely see that as an outcome because, you know, Aaron Rodgers is that type of guy. We saw him kind of get angry last year and then, you know, was able to um, 
was able to use that and, you know, kind of have a revenge type season. And this season will have the same headline form too. So the Packers final point here, we both agree. They're going to, they're going to win the division. Uh, I think that's fair to say, Yes, um, but they're ranked number two in NFC odds, right. To win the, to win the conference. In my opinion, I think that's too high. I would put them I, three or four, but I, I want to take on it. I agree. I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think they're going to, they, I would put them at, yeah, either three or four. I know who I'd have one, two, but I'd have to keep, you know, looking at uh, who else and look more at the NFC, but I don't think they should be the second best odds. Cause I think there, there are two teams that are, I would give better odds. What, what are those two teams? I would say Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay and the Rams. Tampa Bay and the Rams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And in my opinion, Tampa Bay should have the best odds. Yeah. Yeah. Tampa Bay does have the best odds. I think in the whole, actually, I think the chiefs have higher odds to win the super bowl, but uh, Tampa Bay kind of blows away in the NFC. Tampa Bay should have the best odds to win the super bowl. I know they just won it. I know it's hard to repeat, but Tampa Bay has the best roster in the league. Yeah. Yeah. They no, they, they're going to be a tough out. I'm I'm very interested if we got a rematch of Tampa Bay, Green Bay in the playoffs. Um, I honestly don't know if it would be as close. I mean, that's way too far to look yeah. at. Like and there's a, there's a lot that can happen. And yeah. But I just, you know, I know we're talking about the NFC North, but quickly on Tampa, I think it's pretty impressive when you have a team that wins the Super Bowl and they lost basically nobody. I yeah. mean, they're bringing back that whole roster. Yeah, it's insane. It's yeah. never, I, I don't think it's been done in, in like 45 years. It was like 1970 something. Was right. The time. So, yeah, I mean, that's the Tom Brady effect, but um, yeah, so I, I have the Packers win loss total. I think they're dipping down a little bit um, just because of the schedule and just the situation. They're winning the division at 11 and six. That's where I have Green Bay this, this season. Yeah. And I was right in between there and 12 and five, and I'm going to give them 12 and five because I think they get enough of these games that I think would be tough that could go either way at home, which I think is significant, especially in Lambeau. That's a really hard place to go to go win. I mean, I'm a Seahawks fan and I don't think the Seahawks have won there maybe ever, or at least it's been a very, very long time. Yeah. And, we, and we've got to, and we've got to go there again and I, we won't win that game. And they, but I think they get a lot of these games at, at home, which I think is pretty significant. Um, I'm going to give them 12 and five. I think they're going to start off pretty hot and 12 and five is good enough in my opinion for uh, the division crown and probably the number two or three seed in the NFC. Yep. Um, yeah. So I think uh, we're, we're in similar boats on the Packers. I think I'm a little lower on them, but um, certainly we have a, a good range of outcomes that I think could, could cover what the Packers actually do this year. So that's, that's green Bay. Uh, that's their breakdown. So next we go to the lions um, polar opposite in terms of placement <laughs> division. I think we can come out right away and say that the lions are, yeah, they'll, they'll be bringing up, vision. They'll be bringing up the rear. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, they were five and 11 last year, perfectly mediocre, just like the lions usually are. Um, and you know, they lost a few close games last year, uh, you know, and they were three and three at one point. So it's a little more competitive than I think it'll be this year, but they're in full rebuild mode now. Right. Um, if, if we talk about their off season additions and subtractions, uh, I think there's a lot more subtractions and, 
you know, you, you lost Matthew Stafford to the Rams in, in uh, that trade. And then you lost Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones to free agency. So w- what do you think was, um, was the mindset for the lions there? Cause I think they could have re-signed Galladay or Marvin Jones. Those are young wide receivers that you could potentially build your rebuild off of. Right. Uh, but what yeah. do you think mindset and letting those guys go? I think, I think they took the approach of, you know, they've got a brand. I mean, the whole, the whole regime is different there. They've got a whole new front office. They've got a whole new coaching staff. They have a new quarterback now who is going to really be more of a bridge quarterback, but I, but it's all new. So I think, you know, they kind of took the approach of a, um, it's a rebuild and, you know, I will say though, and I'm going to, I'm going to be nice to the lions for a second here. And, you know, maybe I'm jumping ahead of what we're talking about, but it has to do with, you know, additions. They definitely lost a lot, but I actually love the Lions draft. And I was surprised because I didn't, I didn't really look to, you know, heavy into the draft, but I think the Lions had one of the better drafts. And I know, you know, some of these guys will see how they pan out, but, you know, they took Panay Sewell. So now you have two good tackles on your roster. You have, and then they took Levi Onzerike um, and Aleem McNeil, and they got Michael Brockers from the Rams. So you, they have solidified, in my opinion, some pretty important pieces in the trenches, which is a really, I think it's a good place to build. Yeah. And then they took a corner from Syracuse Melifonu that I really like. And they took Amonra St. Brown, the receiver from USC, who I think was a steal. So now they still have a horrible receiver group mm-hmm. and like Amonra St. Brown could actually become their number one, which is not good because he shouldn't. Uh, yeah. But he's a good player. Yeah. And I think he can be a good NFL player. Mm-hmm. And so they still have a, they have a ton of holes. They are in a full rebuild. But if there was one good thing I can say is that I think their GM, uh, I think his name is Brad Holmes, who came over from the Rams, seems to have a pretty good sense of what he's doing. And I, I like their draft a lot. And it was definitely the best draft they've had in a while because they've had a number of bad ones. And I think, granted, I know none of these guys have played and it could be terrible, but it's they they did. They had a nice draft strategy, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I, I think along the lines of that, that terrible, um, it might be terrible, but I think when you're in the deep stages of rebuilding, like the lions are being terrible is fine. It's just, you got to be the right terrible, right? Like you want to, mm-hmm. you want to be the three and 13, three and 14, whatever it is now, yeah. 17 game schedule. Yeah. I know it screws me up too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're going to be that type of team, but you want to see certain things in your players, right? Like if you're three and 13 or three and 14, but you're, but your rookie receiver goes for 800 yards or your, you know, your defensive tackles get a few sacks or a few pressures, tackle for losses. Like you want to see your young players developing. That's really the important thing there. Right. Um, And so, yeah, it's okay to be terrible. Um, But I think, I think you're right that their draft was very good. And at least they have a vision of what they want to do. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. like these players don't pan out. You can't worry about that right now. That'll be a future thing. But the Dan Campbell's whole thing is to play in the trenches and, uh, you know, like attack teams with, with the run game and he's kind of old fashioned. Um, and so it's perfectly fitting to draft a tackle and then two defensive tackles. And then, you know, like get a quarterback who's clearly going to need a run game. And he doesn't really have that great of receivers. Like he let those guys go. Cause he wants to, sp- he wants to spend money on like interior players. So yeah. 
I think that it's nice that they have a vision and that they're, they're sticking to it and they're going all in on this thing. So obviously they believe that they can build something like that um, and, you know, build into a system. So I think that's, that's a lot more approachable than just trying to like draft best player available and hope that you become a good team somehow. So, you know, they do have a vision, um, but yeah, I, I think you're, you're right. The receiving core is a mess of all the messes on the Lions team. The receiving core is probably the biggest one. It, it's real bad. Yeah. Now, if they, if Lions fans do want a positive is their best receiver this year, won't be a receiver. It's going to be TJ Hawkinson. I actually think TJ Hawkinson has a chance to have a really good year because he's, this is, I think there's, I mean, I think he's their number one option really yeah. In, yeah. in the past game. And Jared Goff loves using tight ends. So I, I mean, he, he didn't, he did in LA and I know it's going to be a different offense, but I mean, he's, it's not going to leave him that he likes using tight ends. Yeah. And so, uh, and you know, TJ Hawkinson, I think by the end of this year, we'll, everyone will be mentioning him right there in the top five tight ends in the league. I don't, I don't expect anything less. Cause I, I think he's got all the tools to be that. And I think he'll be featured pretty heavily. Yeah. I think that's very possible. Um, I, if I recall, he had a pretty good season last year. He did. He, did. he had a nice year and yeah. I think he'll take another step forward. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he had 67 catches, uh, 723 yards and six touchdowns. And you figure he's going to get a lot more targets. He's going to grow as a player. So yeah, I, I think he could um, he could have a great season. That's a good bet. There was a I was listening to the PFF podcast the other day, and there was a bet of TJ Hawkinson at 850 yards. Are you betting the over or under on that? And I'm t- I'll take the over. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's gonna I think he'll be flirting with a thousand. I mean, I think he's gonna be pretty heavily used, and I think he'll have a really good year. Yeah, I mean, you just have to. Like the Lions aren't going to be good. We know that. But if they start the game running the ball and throwing to their tight ends, you figure they're going to fall behind in a lot of games, which means more passing. And their receivers really aren't going to get open that much. Like there's, he's going to have to throw it or at least target TJ Hawkinson. Um, and so you figure injuries aside, he should, yeah, be flirting with a thousand. So, um, and that's another bright spot for the Lions too. Like that fits right into their run heavy. In yeah. the scheme to have this big tight end who can also be a vertical threat. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, so that's going to be interesting to watch. And then, so how many team or how many games do you think the Lions can win? And then, as a as a GM, if you're the Lions GM right now, how many games do you want them to win? Well, the unless they unless they pulled off one of the most surprising things in all of sports, you know, history and won 11 games or something like that. Um, if I'm the GM, I probably don't want them to win very many so I can get another, so I can get another high pick. I think the, the ceiling, like the max amount of games this team can win, it's going to sound really harsh. It's probably like five. And uh, cause it's just, it's a roster with too many holes right now. Yep. And I, I expect them to be more in the range of, two and 15 or three and 14. And there, there's a lot of work to be done. I think, you know, like I said, though, I like their draft a lot. I think they're, I think Brad Holmes, the GM has a pretty good sense of what's going on. We'll see how Dan Campbell does as a coach. I think things are, can be getting better in Detroit in the next few years, but unfortunately for lions fans, I was just being nice, but now I'm not going to be very nice. Um, they're going to stink. And they're going to be really bad. And there's going to be a lot of really ugly football this year. They're going to get blown out a number of times and it's going to get ugly. But I think there's, 
things to look forward to in Detroit. I think there's a chance of that. I don't think it's, I think they have the potential now with, and you know, they don't have Matt Patricia coaching anymore. And so I think things could be better. Let's, let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're, they're so deep into the rebuild. You're not quite seeing the light at the end of the tunnel yet, but um, you know, they're building pieces and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're going to suck this year, but yeah, it's all about those young players and how they develop and, uh, you know, kind of sifting through all your players and seeing what's keepers, you know, like who's in it for the long haul. So, but I think what's interesting for the Lions is like you said, the GM is his expectation for winning. He probably wants it down around two or three games secure. the pick if you can. Um, and you know, then for the, for the quarterback, Jared Goff, like he's obviously trying to make the playoffs probably like pull off a miraculous run and solidify his spot as the Lions quarterback, or at least do enough. Probably he'd need eight wins or something like that, which would be crazy um, to secure his spot as like maybe being a piece in the Lions rebuilding. Um, So there's just a lot of different pieces to this rebuild and a lot of different uh like they're all in different places, right? And they're all having different expectations. So yeah, my expectation is that they'll be bad. But um, I think for Jared Goff's sake and some of the other players, like the players obviously don't know how to tank. Like they're trying to win every game. So uh, yeah, it's just interesting to see rebuilds go down. Um, but I think the the next question is, is there any chance that Jared Goff becomes the Lions long-term quarterback? Like let's say they get into a position next year where they're like the third pick in the draft. Like, is there any chance that they trade out of that, get a bunch more picks and fill in other positions um, and keep Jared Goff in it for the long haul? Or do you think they're going quarterback no matter what next year? Um, I actually think there's a decent chance of the first thing because for two reasons. One, I think, you know, I mean, Jared Goff is, you know, we'll see how he plays this year. And if he has a pretty good year, then, um, you know, maybe they, even if they have a bad record, if he shows some good things, they may want to try it out. But number two, and this might be the bigger thing, the quarterback class next year is pretty weak. Yeah. It is not this year's class. It is a big step down. Um, you know, this year you had clearly the best, the, the, the clear best player in the draft was it was a quarterback. Next year, that is not the case. I don't know who the ne- the best player in the draft is next year. It might be that guy from Oregon, but and he's a D end. So in the quarterbacks, even though the quarterback might go number one, um, it's not. It's just not the same class. Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, those are kind of the two highest names right now. Granted, we haven't watched any college football yet, so we'll see. Yeah, it's just not the same class. So Detroit is not going to be looking at the type of guys to pick from that were available this season yeah, so, or this past draft. So I think there's some of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, and if they're, they're paying Jared Goff a decent amount of money, which I had imagined, I know they converted a lot of his salary to signing bonus this year to release cap space. But um, I think if you're paying him any portion of money, like as a remnant from that contract with the Rams, maybe it's best to just let that contract play out. Cause you're probably not going to be able to trade him for much anyways. Um, yeah. You don't want to be paying him as a backup. Uh, so I think, you know, like you said, if it's a weak quarterback draft, which it looks like it will be, you don't want to take any chances on that. So trade back some team I'm sure will be jumping at the opportunity to yep. 
picking the top five. They always are. Yeah. Uh, and then bam, you have a bunch more picks and that's always better in a rebuild. Like honestly, if you can afford to trading back is ideal. Like no, the, the lions, I think, I actually think their strategy probably will be to try to move back, especially, you know, if they're at, you know, number pick number three or two or four or something. Yeah. I, I think unless there's a guy they absolutely fall in love with there, I, yeah, I think they should move back because yeah. I think especially you're right in a rebuild, they can acquire more picks and they may only need to move back five or six spots and they can pick up two or three extra picks. And I think that's a really good move for them. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's the story with the lines. We, we both don't expect them to be very good. I think my final tally is I have them at three and 14 this year. That's exactly where I have them. Yeah. I will leave Lions fans with one other piece of good news is that you certainly will not be the worst team in the NFL this year. Don't worry about it. Houston's already got that spot locked yeah, down. Houston has that locked down. Houston might go 0-17. And Detroit, I think, will find a way to win a couple games. I would love to see that. In the first <laughs> in the first 17-game season, we have a team go 0-17. So yeah. when, you, when you do – has the AFC South show happened yet? No, not yet. We have – Your God. Yeah. Oh, I Houston. know. That that is that is a real mess. And Detroit's got a bad. They're elite. They're considerably better than the Texans at this point. The Texans actually might be the leadoff to the NFC or to the AFC South show because they are interesting, dude. They've had they made some weird moves this offseason. <laughs> they, I don't even know what to make of them. It's yeah. So that's gonna be. Uh, that, that's a that's a good thing to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh. Yeah, I think we're we're gonna pass on the schedule breakdown for the Lions. Uh, it's just gonna be a lot of L's. So <laughs> that's that's it for the Lions. I think we both have them going last place and yep, three and fourteen. Yep, trying to get on with their rebuild. So uh, yeah, going going three and fourteen and being really bad is usually the first step in a rebuild. So <laughs> yes, it is. Moving on to the Vikings. Um, Vikings were coming off of a playoff appearance in 2019 and they definitely took a step back last year. Defense couldn't get their act together at all. They were the 27th ranked defense. They were among the worst secondaries in the NFL. Um, They also started one and five and lost a lot of close games in that stretch. And, you know, they battled it out down the, uh, down the middle of the season, but ultimately they, they missed the playoffs by a game. So they've, they've got some bright spots in the organization, but they definitely have stuff to fix. So, um, I'll start off with the additions here. So they're, they're additions in the secondary. Um, they added Patrick Peterson and Brashad Breland. So yep. those are two guys that are probably lower on the talent spectrum than they used to be. Um, obviously because their careers are, you know, kind of fading away, but those are signings that I think are veteran help moves mostly. And that can do a lot for a young secondary. And the Vikings have a really young secondary, like Yes. In 2020, they drafted three corners. They drafted Jeff Gladney in the first round. They drafted Cameron Dantzler in the fifth, I believe. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the third, but I think it was the fifth. And then they drafted Harrison Hand as well. Yeah. So those were three guys that actually did pretty decent last year for the most part. Uh, I know Dantzler and Gladney were, were pretty decent. Um, and so when you get two other corners in there that are vets, they've had great careers. They know how it's done, especially a guy like Patrick Peterson. I think that can do a lot to help them. So I think I'm going to count those three, those three guys going into their second year as additions as well, because I think they take a significant step. Um, and so if the secondary turns out to be a bigger plus than it was last year, you know, that could be a major turning point in the defense. So I think those are the additions that I, that I thought of. 
Yeah. And I, I agree with you. And, you know, I think those corners, um, I remember watching them, the Vikings, when they came up to Seattle in week, I believe it was five and it was a, it was a Sunday night game and the Seahawks were undefeated and the Vikings really should have won that game. Um, they, they kind of, they blew it away, but, um, I, I remember watching those corners and especially Cameron Dantzler, who he was with DK almost the whole game uh-huh. and he, he battled, he gave up a few, he gave up a few ones that he really can't give up, but he, I mean, he battled against one of the premier receivers in the league as, as a rookie and, you know, his fourth, fifth game, whatever it was, and gave him a real, gave him a real test. And I agree with you. I think bringing in Breland and, and especially Patrick Peterson um, as a, as a veteran, as a veteran leader who I think has probably lost a step on his actual game. Yeah. But there, the knowledge is still there and it's higher probably than it was when he, when he was like playing at a high level. So he, I think that's a big deal. Um, I like their Christian Darisaw pick. I thought that was a bit of a steal. He fell a little bit to him. And that's, he was one of my favorite tackles in the draft. So that's a good pick. Um, And they added, uh, I believe they added Dalvin Tomlinson as well to the defensive line. And, but one of the one of the other things that needs to be touched on with the Vikings, though, and it's not something we talk about very often, their special teams was a disaster last year. It was the worst in the league, and it actually wasn't even close. If you look at a lot of the numbers, they they missed a ton of kicks. They gave up a lot of returns. They had like no return yards. It was a disaster. And I mean, I was their special teams coordinator fired. I'm pretty sure he was. Um and I don't blame them because they were, they were a nightmare. And that's actually one of the reasons they lost that game to Seattle. Yep. And so that, you know, needs to be shored up a bit. And, um, but you know, the Vikings, the Vikings have some really, you know, they've got a, they've got two great receivers. They have a great running back. I think they made, I think they were smart to get rid of um, some of like Kyle Rudolph. Like, I think that was a, I think that was the right move to get rid of him. Um, So there's things to like about Minnesota, but I also think there's still some holes. And frankly, that leads us to the next talking point, which has to be Kirk cousins, because I think we have this conversation every year. It is, is he really the guy that because I think this roster is is probably a it's I don't know if it's a contender but it's a playoff contender and but I don't like I'll just I don't think they're going to make the playoffs because I don't think I I don't trust Kirk Cousins enough yeah no I, I think that's that's fair to say um like yeah Kirk's been pretty average in uh, all these seasons and he's a good quarterback but he's not going to be he's not going to elevate your team right he's not. No, he's the guy that's pulling it and, and making things happen. Like he relies on the run game and then he plays off play action and puts the ball where it needs to be a lot of times. Like he's, he's a good quarterback, but yeah, he's not going to be the guy that single handed gets him there. You know, you, you made that uh, little thing about um, trucker, the trailer, trucker, the trailer. And I think that's a good one for him. I I mean, he, he's not a truck. Like he can't, he can't, he does not elevate that team to where that, because I think Kirk Cousins at his best is top 10 to 12. That's at his best. Yeah. And at his worst, he's like in the low 20s. Yep. And that's not good. Monday Night and, Football, he's in the low 20s. 
Oh, good. He's like 32. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't think that's good enough. And with, you know, a roster that, that is good. And I think has, you know, should, I think be a wild card team. If you look at some of the other pieces they've got, especially a receiver and running back, they've got a lot of talented players, yeah. but I don't expect them to get there. And I think it's in part because of him. And it's in part because, um, and this is the other thing I'm going to say is I think the Vikings, um, I'll just, you know, I'll jump. I think the Vikings are going to be right around 500 again. I know they can't actually go 500 because it's a 17 game season. Yeah. I think nine and eight is where they're going to finish. And that's another season of mediocrity. And I think Mike Zimmer's seat has to be white hot. Like, cause then that's, that's too much. I would fire them actually, if they go nine and eight yeah. and I think they will, but cause I think at that point you're looking at a team that is, you know, that should have playoff aspirations every year and they're not making it. Yeah. 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 I think that's fair. Um, you know, like they have, they have pieces and they have, but the inconsistencies with the Vikings are, yeah. I mean, they're concerning. Like last year, they, they just, they lost a lot of close games. They had some weird losses in there too, where you're like, dude, like the loss to Atlanta. Oh God, that was a nightmare. Out, and then they, they go and they're on a three game win streak and they're looking like they're going to, you know, make a run at the playoffs and they go and they lose to Dallas. Who's like in the depths of like <laughs> last year, they go and they lose to them and like break up this winning streak. And then they get back to six and six and they lose to Chicago and get blown out by new Orleans and, well, and seven rushing. So it's like, they, they just don't, they're not consistent and they, they're not the same product every week. And yeah, they're underperforming. And then even, and then even early on last year, when they were struggling, they had a great chance to write themselves. They went to Seattle and completely yeah. outplayed us. completely outplayed us and they needed to get, I know Dalvin cook got hurt in that game, but they handed it to Alexander Madison. You needed six inches and he couldn't get it. And then they gave up two fourth downs fourth and 10 to DK on a deep ball on kind of just a jump ball on a fourth and goal to end the game. Yeah. And you know, and they, and they lost the game and they had plenty of chances to win it and they blew it. And, you know, there's inconsistencies that they have and an inability to finish games. And I think that's, product of their partly their quarterback i think it's product of partly maybe mike zimmer yeah there's just too much inconsistency in that team like like i said like minnesota i think you know if i if they had the a quarterback that i think i trusted more and a coach i trusted more i could probably see them going 11 and 6 yeah and then they're a playoff team they're a wild card team yeah and they're they're a five or six seed and they've got a chance but i don't see that i see them you know like i said nine and eight yeah and I don't know. I think that's probably once again, maybe the first team out and that's not good enough. Like that's just not good enough. And you, then you have to look at making changes. Absolutely. You have too many talented players on your roster to continue to miss the playoffs, which I, like I said, I expect them to miss it again. Yeah. And another point there on Kirk Cousins. So they drafted Kellen Mond in the third round. Yeah. Um, and then do you think that puts a time limit on Kirk cousins because his contract has to be expiring soon? I think it's this year. Yeah. I think this might be and well, going out at the same time. Well, at minimum, it puts a lot of pressure on him because he, he, now he's got someone who actually like is, you know, in the running to at least challenge him yeah. at times where, you know, if Kirk cousins goes out there and completely stinks it up in the first half, throws three picks and they're down 28 points, Why like they can put Kellen Mond in the game. Yep. And if Kellen Mond starts playing well, 
you have a suddenly there's, you know, the old quarterback controversy potentially. Yeah. So it at least puts the pressure on him. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, I think Kirk Cousins will have a year like he typically has. I think he's going to have some games where he plays really well. Um, and the Vikings are a team where they're going to probably win a game or two where they are not expected to win. Um, I have, you know, I haven't, I got to look at their schedule, but there's, there's probably a game in there where they'll win it and they're going to be like five or six point underdogs, but then they're going to lose a couple games where they should probably pretty easily win it. It's just kind of the way they go. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, I think that's going to be the, the case with the Vikings and um, yeah, I don't, I don't see them as a playoff team either. I think they're going to get around third in the division. Um, and they, you know, like they, they have a fairly tough schedule too. So you have to take that into consideration a team that's not generally starting. Well, you get weeks two, three, and four against Arizona, yeah. Seattle and Cleveland. And then the middle stretches of the year where they faltered again last year, they get Baltimore, yeah. LA, Green Bay, San Francisco. So they have a, they have a really, they have a very difficult schedule. Yep. Um, and I mean, like, the, and then even like, like late, they finish at Chicago, then the Rams at Green Bay, and then Chicago again. Like, that's, that's a tough. That's a tough games too, yeah. Yeah, and that's a tough finish. You've got you've got huge division games to end, yep. and you play the Rams. Like, yep. that's really difficult. Exactly. Yeah, I I think uh, I think you're right, and I think even if they do show some improvement on the defensive side, which I think they will, um, I think that schedule kind of overrides that improvement. I think. Um, I think the fact that, uh, you know, with Justin Jefferson too, I think some of their offensive production from him might go down because he went for 1,400 yards this year. But now teams have film on him. They're, he's going to be drawing number one matchups. He's going to be, you know, so I don't see him improving on that. Like no. he, he's still going to be great, but oh yeah, probably not going to get the same level of production from him. So then, you know, I, I just think they're, even though their defense, I think will make improvements, I think they're just going to regress in other areas. And, it's just a new year. So that, you know, they have a tougher schedule. They're not going to be playing, you know, last year they got to play Jacksonville and they got to play Dallas and they got Detroit twice and I wish they're going to get Detroit twice again, obviously, but, but they had some easy games last year. Um, they got Houston. So it's a tougher schedule this year for them. And I think that has an effect. Yeah, I agree. And so I think really what it's going to be is I think it's going to be another season of mediocrity for Minnesota. I don't, I don't, they're not going to be bad, but they're just not going to be very, they're not going to be good enough. And, and at that point, like I said, I think, you know, when this team goes, like I said, I think nine and eight, and when they go nine and eight mm. at the end of the year, they're going to, they're going to have to look at this and say like, what's our next move. And I think the first move has to be firing your coach yeah. because you now have, you've underperformed enough. And I like Mike Zimmer. I do, but th there's enough there to say like, if I was in charge, he, he would be out. I'd need to find someone new. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's fair. So, I mean, I have the, the Vikings at eight, nine finishing third. Yep. Yep. And, uh, yeah. So I think it's going to be, they're going to be right around that mediocre area. Exactly. Where they're contending for the playoffs, um, but not, but not finishing there ultimately. So that brings us to uh, our last team in the division, which is the Chicago bears. Um, they had a pretty intriguing off season. We know yes, that they did. And, you know, they, they move on, they go get Justin Fields. 
they go get Andy Dalton, and they also have Nick Foles. So <laughs> they probably have the best quarterback room in terms of depth in the whole NFL. But unfortunately, oh, it's not even it's not even close. Yeah, but yeah, it's been, three deep at quarterback isn't really yeah. super important. So no. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So I mean, Justin Fields with the eleventh pick in the draft, they keep Allen Robinson on the franchise tag. Um, but yeah, let's. I want to talk quarterback because I think obviously that defines yeah. the Bears. So. Yeah. Yeah, what's what's uh, the situation going to look like with Justin Fields and Andy Dalton? Like, when does that transition, the passing of the torch, happen? Uh, so Andy Dalton will start week one. Um, and as for when Justin Fields comes, I don't know. It's there. A lot of that's going to be determined, I think, just on how Andy Dalton plays and what they're seeing from from Justin Fields. So. You know, one thing that's interesting is the Bears open their season at L.A. against the Rams on Sunday night. That's going to be a disaster. And they're going to they're like and I think the Bears will have a good year, but I actually they are going to get boat raced in that game. And Dalton's going to really struggle and they're going to come back, probably losing that game by 20 points. And (laughs) what's going to be really funny is the calls for Justin Fields will start right after that game. Yeah. I think now I don't think they should do that, but then, you know, then they come home week two. And I, I mean, I think it's important to go through the schedule here because this is kind of where we're looking at the Justin Fields timeline. They come home week two against Cincinnati in theory, that's a very favorable matchup and it's against Andy Dalton's former team. Mm-hmm. However, if he starts stinking the joint up in that game, I mean, you don't think soldier field is going to be screaming and everyone around the NFL will hear the calls for Justin Fields in week two. Yeah. If things go bad. Yeah. So when do I think he comes? I think he comes early because I don't, I think there's going to be, I don't know how well Andy Dalton's going to play. And unless he just lights it up, which I don't think he will, especially because of that week one matchup, I think any quarterback's going to really, like it could really struggle unless your name, like Patrick Mahomes or something. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just a tough, that's a tough way to start. Yeah. And so I think, um, I think he comes early and, you know, I'm kind of looking at, frankly, I'm kind of looking at week four, they've got a home game against Detroit and, you know, maybe that's a, that's a good spot to start him. Yeah. Uh, because it's a little bit weaker opponent. You're at home. Um, you've seen, you've got a few weeks of Andy Dalton and, you know, I, I, do at that point. Yeah. And the, and he's got two, he's got to go because Andy Dalton's going to have to go to LA and, and Cleveland two of the first three weeks. Those are both going to be losses. Yeah. And I think he'll struggle in both. And then maybe it's time like quickly. And yeah. I think, so I think we're going to see Justin Fields pretty early. And then I don't think they're going to look back because I think he'll play pretty well. I mean, he's, he's a rookie. He's going to have a couple real duds, but I think they're, I think they're going to turn to him pretty early. Yeah. And I think there's a couple things at play. So, so first of all, like we could see a situation where like, I wonder if we'll see a situation against uh, or with the bears that we saw with Miami last year, where Miami's winning games and all of a sudden they're like, all right, bye week. Uh, here comes to a, like you're coming in. Cause that was our plan all along. Like, I wonder if the bears will do something like that where they just automatically have a week that they're going to put, um, just yeah. and it doesn't even matter how well or how not well Andy Dalton's playing. So I think that's going to be interesting because that was kind of surprising when the Dolphins did it last year. Shocking, it, yeah. it didn't really pan out. Um, but I think the 
you know, I think that Justin Fields is obviously better than Tua or is going to be. Um, and the Bears are trying to get him in there soon because the like there's guys in the front office and coaches that are their jobs are kind of on the line with this Justin Fields guy. Um, so there's a rush to get him in there. I think you're right. Um, so it might not even matter how Andy Dalton plays because, you know, and then the other part of that is if they do start one and two, or they start, you know, two and four or something like that, this is a team that should be in the playoffs. Probably like they, they're talented enough to be a low seed in the playoffs. And they know that, um, they did it with Mitch Trubisky last year. So in theory, they should be a, a team that's competing for that spot and playing in January. Um, and so I think that puts pressure on it too. Like if they start even one and two, um, like I could see a world where they get beat by LA by double digits and then they go and they skimp out a win against Cincinnati. And then they, they go on the road and they get blown out again by Cleveland and they're like, all right, this isn't working. No, oh, yeah. And the, and the funny thing is like that scenario you just brought up is probably exactly, is exactly what I think is going to happen. Yeah. And so then they're going to be sitting there. They're going to be sitting one and two. And after probably battling and having to win a one possession game against Cincinnati and then getting kind of their, you know, brains beat in by the Rams and the Browns, two of the better teams in the NFL on the road. Yep. A tough way to start. And so they're going to come back week four and they're, but then, you know, it gets, you know, the next two games, you've got, you got the lions at home. That's you should win that game. No matter who's playing Vegas, probably win that one too. Yeah. And I think they can win in Vegas. And yeah. so, but you're going to look at that and say, maybe, you know, if you're struggling and if Andy Dalton's taking a bunch of hits, which he probably will against those two defenses yeah. and he's not playing great. And you're, you're hearing the, just the chatter for Justin Fields and you moved up to get him, which I think was a really good move but you've got to, you got to see what you have uh, unless, so like you said, unless they've got kind of the plan, the dolphins employ where they just have the spot ready and they know when they want to put him in after the bye week I, I think unless it's that plan, I think week four is the week that people should circle because I would not be surprised if he starts, if Justin Fields starts that game at home against the lions. In yeah. Week four. Yeah, no, I, I'm in agreement with you there. And then, uh, you know, we go to the state of the roster. So let's say, the bears have a B roster with Andy Dalton in there. Like essentially. So last year he graded out essentially the same as Mitch Trubisky, right? right. They were basically the same quarterback, which I actually think Andy Dalton's a little bit better, but that's how that grading out. Right. So we can make the argument that they're essentially the same. So the bears have a B roster. They have a good defense. They've got decent weapons, decent running game, whatever. Um, does there does the grade of that roster go up significantly with Fields, or do you think it's pretty much the same or worse? Like, wh- where do you think he? Uh, it it does not go up significantly. It probably moves to a B plus. But the thing is, the thing is though, you can't even really say that because I actually now that I'm thinking about it, it doesn't move because here here's the thing. It's gonna sound weird. I think Justin Fields because because he's a rookie. There, he's going to have a couple games where he's going to play worse than Andy Dalton probably ever would play. And, but that's part of the deal with playing a rookie. Like, I mean, he's going to have, like, he has, so if Justin Fields comes in week four, he has, you know, he's got a couple good games, Lions, you know, Raiders, he, he has the Packers at home. That'll be a good battle for him. But then he goes to Tampa and um, that could be a disaster. Like, he, he is probably going to have a horrible game. Yeah, but that's part of that. And they'll lose that game, but that's part of the you know development process. And so I don't know. I don't think he 
I think he gives them potentially a higher ceiling. I think Justin Fields definitely gives them the highest ceiling. But at times, he's probably going to give them a really low floor just because as a rookie, He's gonna he he has more dynamic playmaking ability than Foles or Dalton. Yeah, he he's a more exciting player. He provides the extra element of the run game, which the other two don't. And he he can do some different things. However, he also, like I said, it's going to be a new game for him, and he's going to see some speed and some players he hasn't seen. And you know, we'll see it. And we're also going to see how he responds after he takes his first you know hit right in the chops, which you're going to take in the NFL. Yeah and get back up and keep going. So yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, but the good thing for him is that he's got a, he has Allen Robinson back. So he's got a really good receiver to, to to look for, to like trust when he gets in trouble, he knows he can throw it there. Yeah. And he's got, he's got a, he's got a one of the top defenses that he can, that he knows can help keep him in games. And then it's going to be on him to make the necessary plays. He's, he's in a good situation. I think it's just, He's going to, you know, he'll have some rough patches. And honestly, I'm looking at the Bears schedule and I really, I think the Bears have a chance to be a playoff team, but the Bears have some horribly tough road games this year. Yeah. They, they have to, like I said, they go to Tampa Bay, they go to Cleveland, they go to LA, they go to Seattle in December. That's a, that's tough. Like those are some hard road games. So he's going to, he's going to get tested throughout the year. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think what's interesting about fields and uh, how he affects the roster is you're right. There is going to be games where he plays way worse than, than anyone, but I think you also rookies can elevate those teams. Cause it's a, it's a change of pace. And especially with yep. Justin fields, like he's a guy who battles and he's tough and he's like, you know, like he's exciting. So I think that has an effect on the team as well. And then as you move on in the season, rookies can like, figure out and find their footing quick. Like he could, you know, like start the year as kind of like, Oh, we're unsure of who this guy is and finish the year as an established starter. And like, you know, a middle of the pack type of quarterback, which Andy Dalton or Nick Foles isn't going to be. So I think that's, what's interesting about rookies is you don't really know which way they're going to trend. But um, I think there's potential that the bears, you know, if he starts early and has 15 weeks or 14 weeks to, build up his game and the bears are finding ways to win. Like by the time he enters maybe the playoffs, he could be more confident than ever. And, you know, like still like improving um, on what he, on what he was. So I think that's, what's interesting is um, I think the, even though he's essentially like it keeps the bears roster at the same grade when he initially starts, I think there's a chance that by the end of the year, he's actually elevating the bears roster. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, he, his skill set, and you know, but the other thing about you know Justin Fields, and this this is where I think playing at Ohio State is going to dramatically help him. I mean, Justin Fields has played in a lot of big games. He he played in the college football playoff. He just played you know in the national championship game, and he played beat up in that game, and they got they got beat up bad by Alabama. But I mean, he's played. So he's played in these big games. So I don't think I don't think any moment's going to be too big for him. But I just think he's going to he's going to see some teams that are just going to really challenge him and I think he'll struggle, but but you're right. He also as a new change of pace, I think he's going to elevate the guys around him. Mm-hmm. I think he's got to, I think he's a really good leader. Like Andy Dalton does not Andy Dalton will not elevate the guys around him. I don't think he will. No. Justin Fields can, and that's that's significant. 
And so even though, you know, he'll, he'll come out and he'll, you know, have some games where it's, it's ugly and they get, they get beat up. I think there, there are a lot of games where he'll play well and he'll provide things that the other guys can't, and it's going to spark the bears. And yeah. I think the bears have, a, they're, they're going to win a couple games that probably are going to surprise people. Yeah. And he's going to play really well in those games. Um, and so, you know, we'll see, you know, we'll see how he does and we'll see what their plan is. A lot of it ultimately is going to be the plan for the bears yeah. um, because they may, they may just have the set week, but if I was running them, I would, you know, I would watch how he's developing. And a lot of it also is how he's looking in training camp. And that's going to be huge for him. I'm yeah. sure he will play. He's going to play probably like almost every snap of the preseason because they're going to give him every opportunity. I mean, you just moved up to get him. So they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed and to take the job. Yeah. It's going to be, I think it's just going to be his for the taking. It's going to be how he plays. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, so the last thing I want to say with the bears or one of the last things is, uh, Let's let's give a uh, hypothetical here where Andy Dalton's you know playing in the preseason. It's his first year with the Bears, so I imagine they play him a little bit. See yeah, they um, He goes down with an injury, uh, and and all of a sudden Justin Fields is in a similar position to Dak Prescott in that 2016 season, where he's a rookie who wasn't supposed to, you know, I mean he's in a different position. Dak wasn't supposed to play at all, but whatever. Rookie comes in after an injury, he gets the start week one. Um, and do you think there's potential there? Like Dak was in a situation that was so good that it allowed him to be comfortable, work into it. And Dallas went 13 and three. Do you think there's a chance that Justin Fields is in a situation in Chicago? That's good enough for the bears to actually win the division. Do you think that's anywhere on the spectrum of opportunity for the bears? Or do you think that's completely out of the question that, that Justin Fields is that good that they win the division? Not out of the question, but I think in order for that to happen, Aaron Rodgers can't play, at least for part of the season. If Aaron Rodgers plays the whole year, Green Bay is winning the division. Um, but I think if he, you know, if that if he misses a few games and, you know, I like Justin Fields and I, I expect the Bears to, you know, be the number two team in this division regardless. So then you're, you know, puts him in a position where, you know, they're, they're vying for a, uh, a playoff spot. And I think he could play well. And, you know, if he leads the bears to 10 and seven, I mean, that's, that's really good. That's a great start to his, uh, to his um, career. And he's going to, but he's going to have a lot of good opportunities to prove himself. I think a lot of it's just going to be really dependent on what they're seeing from him and what, what kind of plan they've established internally, uh, Matt Nagy and, um, Ryan Pace yeah. to, to, to determine what they want to do. Um, but I know that you don't move up for a guy like that if you don't want to play him as soon as you can. Yeah. And I know they made the move to get Andy Dalton, and I understand why they're going to start him week one. I wouldn't start Justin Fields week one. Yeah. Um, but I think it could move there pretty quick. Yeah. And so in that case, you know, it's going to, it's going to give them a real opportunity. I, the bears are going to be a fun team to follow. Yeah, uh, they, are. they are. They are. And I'm very curious to see what happens. Um, I don't, you know, I think they have the chance to be a playoff team. Um, the, the problem is, is they're in a, they're in the conference with the NFC West, which is going to take at least two of the wild card spots. Yeah. And so that's going to leave them one spot and they're going to be fighting for that one spot. And so we'll see if they can take that last one and probably be the seventh seed. That's probably where they'll be if they get in. 
and that's probably one and out, but you know, just, but I mean, if he, if he plays most of the year and leads them to the playoffs, I mean, I think you have a, you've got the future there in Chicago, which is a huge deal for them. Cause they've been, they've been looking for that since their franchise began. Yeah. It's the friend. Exactly. It's what they've missed. I mean, yeah. they've had a lot of good players. They've had all time, great defenses. They've had, yep. you know, an all time, great running back. Um, but they haven't had a quarterback, so it would be, I don't even know who their best quarterback in franchise history is. Jim Harbaugh, maybe. I don't know. Probably Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Jay Cutler? <laughs> I, I honestly, yeah, I don't know. But um yeah, so I mean that's the that's the scoop on the NFC North. I think it's gonna be a fun division to follow. There's a lot of good storylines. Uh certainly not the most talented division, um, but but there's definitely a lot of storylines in that division. They're taking up a lot of press right now. What is your what is your record prediction for Chicago? I have them at nine and eight. So do I. That's exactly where I have them. Yeah. And nine and eight, I think, um, puts them right in contention with, uh, Arizona, uh, potentially Washington or Dallas, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, maybe there's two teams that come out of the NFC East this year, as crazy as that sounds. I think Dallas and Washington will probably both be around nine and eight, 10 and seven would be a little generous, but, uh, but yeah, I think they're they're right in that range where with seven teams in the playoffs, they could certainly snag that seven. They, they could, and it's going to get interesting because so I have them tied with the Vikings at nine and eight. Yeah, um, but I think they'll win the tiebreaker. Okay, so the Bears will be two, and the Vikings will be three. And now, it, it, exactly, it's going to be really interesting to see who gets that last playoff spot the wild card spot. The Bears will be one of the teams vying for it. But you, between yeah. that, I think Arizona and Dallas or Washington or even the Giants. Yeah, uh, that's what yeah, maybe the Giants in the, the NFC East will actually be a fun one because I think there's yeah. three there's three teams that can win it and I don't know who I'm going to say will. So, yeah. Yeah, the NFC East, yeah, that's going to be they're not going to be as uh, atrocious. I think they're actually on the uh on the incline because well, the, Eagles, the Eagles might you will. The Eagles suck. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Philly sucks. And that, nothing makes me more happy than to see. Yeah. No, that, that I'm sure makes you uh, yeah. very pleased. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, all that's coming up in the future on future episodes. Uh, that's it for this one. Next week, we will be covering the NFC West. Uh, yeah. which I'm pumped about, and I know you're pumped about that one. That's going to be a real fun show. We're going to need to take some time with that division. There's a lot. That, to one, that one might be approaching two hours. We'll see. It, it, it could. It's a. It's a big. It's a big show, and there's yeah. all four teams have a lot of fun things to talk about. For sure. Yeah, that's the. Uh, that's the cream of the crop. Best division in football. We're talking about it next week, so definitely tune in for that one. Uh, that'll be next Monday or Tuesday. Um, I'll release. I'll release some Instagram posts on that. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back with you 